we just got a recording in progress because we are good to go for this hot episode of Screen Heat Miami. Every episode is hot, but the Emmys, they just did the nominations. Kevin, you could barely press the record button. It was scalding even before (laughs) the jump in. That's how hot we are right now with everything going on. It was hard. Absolutely. It's an exciting Emmys. It's an exciting Emmys. We have so much to talk about the Emmys. That's a big tease because we're going to cover it all in the outro. But there is so much going on. There's some 305 love. There's some big streaming shows continuing to make their way into mainstream Hollywood and and so many things to discuss. Yes. But before we begin the discussion points, I'm Kevin Sharpley. I am JL Martinez. And we have a special guest who joins us from time to time. And he has something really big. That we broke first. Dun, Who do we dun. have here? Give a shout out to Intern come, Andre. Come on, Intern Andre. Give oh, a shout what's out. up? What's up? Ah, there it is. <laughs> that was your point to introduce yourself. <laughs> come on. I was waiting for the introduction. My bad. Okay. We got Intern Andre in the house to drop a huge, big info point that we broke within the beginning of our Screen Heat Miami journey. So we're ready to hit that in just a minute, but we have to hit our sponsors first. Yes. So I'm going to hit you with Kajik Multimedia. And I'm going to hit you back with the Miami Media and Film Market. Which is coming in September. Please go and register right now. We're excited about it. Go register, come back, and listen to all this goodness. That's what (laughs) I'm going to bring that, but don't stop the podcast. But after... Well, because you're going to miss something. After the Very podcast, important. yeah, Cinevision, and of course, Kamakoa, the coal, the coal. So, we're going to jump into this. We'll get to the Emmys after the jump because there's so much to talk about with the Emmys. Hollywood is full on again, oh, the yeah. entertainment, film, and entertainment industry is full on and it's charging hard. So we're really excited to get to the Emmys after the jump. Yes, but we need to announce our guest today. We have guests. Yes, that's right. We are going to go with our cornucopia of Bitcoin guests. We have three people that we interviewed in our Bitcoin bonanza. Yes. So stay tuned for that. And we'll get those to you. We're going to jump into our first story which is hot, hot, and it has to do with Hollywood jumping back into the fray. Box office summer movie days are back, baby, with none other than Black Widow, pardon the pun, killing it at the box office. The Widow is murdering the numbers. 80 million over the weekend, 80.3, 7.6 million on a Tuesday on a Tuesday. Which is huge. That's a record Tuesday. So it looks like summer's back. Movie going is back. Everything we loved about going to the movies is here in spite of the streaming worlds and everything else going on content-wise. The people want to go to the movies and see big, fun, cool movies. Yeah, and you know what's big about this? Disney is a huge beneficiary. Because not only are they getting it from theatrical, and they're almost up to the numbers that they had before the pandemic, but now they have a whole new revenue stream. Oh, yeah. With the day and date. 
the premier access, which is $29. So I can only imagine how much paper they're pulling in. Plus tax. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> You're still bitter about that whole premier access. I'm still going back to when I saw that Mulan $30, I was like, nah. <laughs> I already paid my five ninety nine. I don't want to pay an extra twenty nine ninety nine. You, you give me a cable bundle, and now you're giving me VOD with thirty bucks. I got like, why did I cut my cable? I don't know what I did there. I didn't save anything. Disney is getting it both ways, so I'm getting it in another way because I have Disney stock. Full disclosure. So hey, <laughs> hey, got a, regular, got a reg- regular Elon Musk here pumping up the prices. <laughs> Insider trading. <laughs> but if Disney comes on as a sponsor, but you know, it'll be a full disclosure every episode. But you know, that that that's really good for Disney. But you know, they've always kind of been ahead of the curve. And you want to know who else is ahead of the curve? Intern Andre. Yes. You heard it here first. He wow. dropped a nugget on episode 11. Wow, that's way back. Wow. Go look that episode up. Episode 11. We're on episode 52. And then he came back again on episode 28 to follow up the story. Intern Andre, what is this story that we broke? Uh, Well, yeah. Well, um, you broke it, but you're on screen here at Miami. Disney's trying still to, like, make their own little cinematic universe with shows and movies uh, based on their park theme park rides that didn't have like uh, an IP before it was a ride. And uh, interestingly enough, I have pulled up right here. Uh, so the Jungle Cruise comes out this month, uh, July 30th, it says here. But this Friday, as of when we're recording this, July 16th, they are releasing a series called, what's it called? Behind the Attraction. And the attractions they're speaking of are, there's there's 10 different episodes. You know, the, the first one is Jungle Cruise, which it's for promotion, 100%, to teach people about the ride, see if like you could connect anything from the ride to the movie for sure. But the two interesting ones that I thought were Haunted Mansion and, and the Tower of Terror, because there's been some big Haunted Mansion news. Uh, which is going to be part of the the universe, and they wanted uh, they were trying to get Guillermo del Toro to direct it, but they couldn't get him. So they tapped Justin Simeon, who did Dear White People and Bad Hair on Hulu. So he's now directing the Haunted Mansion, which he has um, he he's done horror movies before, so. That's pro- that's not too bad of a of a tap. And interestingly enough, I would I want to say in the past month or so, they announced that they're making a Tower of Terror movie with Scarlett Johansson starring and producing in the film. Oh, the Black Widow. Yeah. So those three specifically being in that show, I feel like is 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 promotion to try to get people who aren't really fans of the parks and of the stories in the parks to get into the rides to like, oh, oh, they're making a movie about this. That'd be cool. Interestingly enough, I want to see if they do any other ones like Space Mountain or, I mean, Star Tours of Star Wars. 
It's a small world. I don't know. Maybe they could do something with that. That'd be the kids. That'd be for yeah, the you kids. You know what's cool about Tower of Terror, just speaking of, is that they have a, their own little IP nugget buried within it, which I'm not sure if they even have the rights to it that's going to be incorporated, the Twilight Zone. If yeah. you guys know the ride, you know the whole thing is about being essentially in an episode of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, so I'm sure they do have that nugget. To be honest, nugget within the nugget. So I, I'm just so curious how they. It could be like an episode, like WandaVision. Imagine, like you yeah. go back to the days of the Twilight Zone, and it's kind of like a movie within a show, within a ride, within a hotel. No, oh, no, I'm getting confused. I'm getting confused <laughs> already. It's KL, like come on, man. It's Inception. It is, but you know, this is really incredible because. Intern Andre, remember when you broke this? Yeah, I do. And you were like, I'm not absolutely sure, but I feel this is coming down the pipeline. And then when you came back on episode 28 and you were sure that it was going to happen, we still didn't have all the details. But I just saw the teaser. You know, it's The Rock and Emily Blunt. It looks amazing. It's great. They went yeah. big. Paul Giamatti, Jesse Plemons. It's a good cast. It's a huge cast. They went but it, big. It's been delayed because of the pandemic, right? It was supposed to be right. like last year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so di- here you go. Disney comes out on top again. Again. Yeah. So, big ups. I'm excited to watch it. I, I might do the, the premiere access. Oh, don't do it. So the movies, Andre. Yeah. Nah, don't I'm do it, Andre. I'm vaccinated. I want to. I want to see some movies in the theaters again. You know? Yes. Okay. Act. Yeah. Just go by yourself on like a Tuesday matinee. You pay like eight bucks. Yeah. 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 For sure. And you'll see it like. And I, I'm not trying to take any revenue away from Disney, but. Damn, they, 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 could, they could spare a few bucks. $30 premium plus when I'm already paying <laughs> a damn subscription. So what we'll gonna, do is we'll put a link on the website to the episodes that intern Andre debuted this news. We're also going to reach out to Disney to let them know that we knew first. We were the first film, media, and entertainment podcast to break it. Disney recognized you better recognize Disney and come we on as a sponsor. You. We I'm a, big, I'm a big Parks fan, so I keep my ear close to the ground with all that stuff. You yeah. Go. You were just in Orlando, right, Intern Andre? Yeah, and they're pushing the Jungle Cruise out there hard. Yeah. Jungle I, Cruise. I know. You know, JL, did you see anything on Jungle Cruise? that I, I did, yeah. Because well, you were I, there, I right? I, I'm a family man myself with three little ones. You've heard a little bit. We've had uh, the Sophie and Layla on before talking about Netflix versus Disney Plus, giving their perspective. But they're also a big fan of the parks. And we went on the Jungle Cruise ride last weekend and they made reference to the movie. So there's this big boulder and the lady's like, oh, watch out. It's The Rock. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, As... it wasn't very well written. I think I, I, I that's, that's a, Disney's signature. But corny. I should be a banter writer for the theme parks. Uh, you know, other than selling cotton candy at Magic Kingdom, I want to be a banter writer for the <laughs> You can do it all. I think I can do a better job. Uh, some Wear all the hats. <laughs> <laughs> Wear all the hats. Or you could become a Facebook and Instagram creator. You could I, do I that. actually am, my friend. If you know, I have another show called MMFM Digital, which is on Facebook Live. I mean, yeah, we, uh, yes, you are. And <laughs> yes, you, you absolutely. 
And <laughs> Screen Heat Miami, of course, has a Facebook and Instagram presence. We Maybe do. we should get some of this money that's coming down the pipeline. I want some of them Zuck bucks. <laughs> yes. So they're creators. How much money is coming down the pipeline for Facebook, Instagram creators? One billion dollars. Wow. Apparently. One point uh, eight. That's almost two. Yes. They're spending some cheddar. Uh, I'm assuming this is another four-way into competing with YouTube, which is known for their, you know, their creators and monetization of such. Uh, creating such sort of iconic channels and these sort of douchey millennials that are now perhaps a little bit outdated oh. uh, with their blogs. Oh. Everybody's on the TikTok and the Facebook Live now because that's where it's at. Yeah. Uh, and so, no, Instagram stories, man. Instagram it's, uh, story. it's all about the Instagram stories. Yeah, yeah, it's TikTok and Instagram stories. But yeah, obviously Facebook being sort of the, the, the company that is – uh, overseeing everything, including obviously they own Instagram. The overlords. Uh, the overlords just kind of saying we're going to invest in our content creators. And there is no rev share right now. Apparently through 2023, uh, all the revenue actually goes to the creator, unlike YouTube, but there is a rev split. Oh, there. and that so, is a big one. Yes. That is like, a big yeah. one. It's an Amazon play. They're, they want to undercut the competition, so to speak. Yeah, but I do see a huge migration from that. You know, that that is a chess move par excellence. It is. It wow. Is. Yes. And so kind of Dang, the, streaming, the streaming wars. Now, Facebook, again, is making another aggressive play, trying to tap into the YouTube creator market. Yes. Yes. And the streaming wars are raging, raging. Yes, they are. Raging Let's talk about this vulture article oh yes yeah this is this is an interesting take from hollywood insiders in terms of what they see the streaming wars are about who's winning and who's losing so to speak uh you know kind of within that uh milieu and it, it they had some interesting takes obviously uh the interviewees were very candid because uh, they were promised a level of anonymity to kind of, quote, speak freely, because obviously all these executives, agents, producers and managers and publicists all do business with these streamers. So they don't want to out one of their clients or business partners. Right. Um, and so uh, the who's who of who's winning the streaming wars. And it's an interesting list and, and sort of how they kind of break it down. Right. Uh, so they they talk about um, this idea that. Yes, Netflix is still number one, but it's starting to feel a little bland. It's starting to feel a little stale. It's just the quote, now, same old Netflix. Um, They were impressed overall by Disney Plus's meteoric rise over such a short time period based on the strength of their IPs, which, as we know, have been accumulating over the past few years from the purchasing of Pixar to Star Wars universe to Marvel uh, to obviously buying the entire Fox IP franchises, uh, which includes The Simpsons and a bunch of other huge IPs, but also saying how Amazon uh, is a player because of the fact that they allowed Netflix to kind of be the pioneers and spend all the cash up front, and they just kind of slid in there as the number right. two. 
Right, uh, slipstream. Yeah, and they kind of rode that that they rode that like in the NASCAR race, right? They kind of yeah. ride that wave, and, yeah. and now they're just a strong number two. However, the insiders are saying that net, that Amazon is kind of a quote pain in the ass to deal with. They're very slow. They don't make decisions very quickly. They just kind of like, you know, they they want to make sure they get it right. But when they do, they're kind of all in. Got it. Like Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Supposedly (laughs) the most expensive scripted series ever produced. Yeah. So uh, ones that didn't quite make it or, or they're kind of down on include Hulu, which is now, of course, majority owned by Disney because of the Fox <laughs> purchase. Um, yeah. So, hey, it's like Instagram are, and Facebook. Disney as a company is a winner and a loser, <laughs> apparently, in this. Uh, yeah, uh, but they win, though. Down. I mean, ultimately, right. they win because Hulu then comes in with Handmaid's Tale. If you look, this article came out before the Emmys announcement. So, right. If but you look according at the, to according to one studio executive, he said, "quote Disney doesn't need two expensive streaming services." And oh, got it. Whoa, <laughs> double dipping Disney. You're double dipping. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's that. Uh, the one that actually came in seventh is Peacock. Apparently, that's the one that's been underperforming the most uh, because apparently. They're not putting a lot of money and time into marketing, first of all. And number two, they're just not spending a lot of money on content. And number three, you know, because it, it is Comcast, NBC Universal, they have like this, they're saying very few executives that are deciding on where property is going to live on over 15,000 channels and outlets. And so oh. there's kind of a, I guess, yeah, there's, there's a backlog there. There's something going on there in the pipeline from development through production, through distribution, that's just not quite dry, jiving within the industry right now. So uh, Peacock definitely needs to step it up. Hulu needs to step it up. Uh, and even though Netflix is still number one overall, they need to start getting super creative again because they're starting to feel a little stale, like that popcorn you find under your seat from three weeks ago that you decided <laughs> to get to Whoa, man, that's... That's that's nasty. You didn't have to go nasty. I, mean, I would never on. do that. My two-year-old does it. I told him not to. He does it anyway. You can't that's stop the two-year-old. Go. That's why he needs to be on Disney Plus and not in a movie theater right now. Yeah, you know, but ultimately, I think Disney come. I mean, when you have Amazon, which they have their other piece of business. So, you know, Amazon Prime benefits Amazon as a whole. Disney Plus benefits Disney as a whole. I mean, I didn't even... Now my daughter, who's a year and a half, she's now been sucked into the whole Disney universe. My daughter's um, former employers gave my daughter this set, this Disney set that's Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Pluto and, you know, Minnie Mouse. And what's up with Goofy and Pluto? One talking dog and then the other one's a pet? I I don't know. It's really weird. But it's now she, that's her favorite yeah. toys. And I'm like, it's, no. I want to no. say that, that that is that is dogist. That is canine. OK, it the is fact that one dog can talk and another cannot for no obvious reason. Yeah, I do believe that we need to address that Disney in, in, in our modern woke society. You need to address why one dog is allowed to talk and what why is one subservient and one essentially a human with big floppy ears. You ever see Pluto? Uh, being walked by Goofy, I've never seen that. <laughs> that would are be- they are they even in the same episodes ever? I don't think so. 
<laughs> yeah, can imagine? I would like to see that. That would be a really creative short film. Let's win an Oscar. A conversation between Goofy and Pluto. Yeah. You know, sort of on the Disney backlot going like, hey, why the hell can't you talk? I'm a dog too. <laughs> yep. I've already done it with my daughter's toys. And he I just tell like, my daughter all the time. I'm fag, bitch. I'm collecting royalties since 1929. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Disney, you know, so they kind of come out on top because they have these other ancillaries, you know. Apple Plus, they don't care. <laughs> they had all the money in the world. They could- well, interesting enough, they, they are, the industry is actually very hot on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. I mentioned in the article as well that they are being very smart in terms of the premium content and what they're right. investing in, spending a lot of money, you know, arguably between them and Amazon, uh, the, the, the richest companies in the world, right, that yeah. are investing in this content. And they're being very smart. And another one that they're kind of hot on is actually HBO Max, which we've talked about before, Warner Media kind of stumbling out of the gates, but actually now starting to find their rhythm. They've done it right, right? yeah. Yeah, as a studio right. and a streamer, and their day and dates don't cost an extra thirty bucks. Just like <laughs> they just cost the subscription rate. The Hashtag subscription rate, yeah. So, but I think all in all, you know, if you kind of lump it together, the streamers really have um, encapsulated what film entertainment is, and they did it very right. fast. I think, you know, it was accelerated by the pandemic. But they're here, and it's showing that that whole day and date, there was so much fear about that day and date theatrical window and what would happen. But, you know, there was so much fear about that whole date and date, and when the theatrical window closes, would the theaters still be open? Well, AMC, their stock, I mean, they're going to be open for years going down into the future. But the movies are making money in the theaters, the movies are making money on streamers. Disney is making money on premier access. And there still is premier access because you can get a lot of these movies ahead of time, both in Google Play and on Amazon Prime and stuff like that. So the film and entertainment industry is flush with money. And it's still one of the least expensive entertainment values if you have a family or if you're going on a date or what have you. So hashtag Netflix and chill. <laughs> there you go. So date night. We do have these incredible interviews coming up. So without further ado, here we go. All right. So my name is Jay. I'm here with the Ozone Universe Metaverse, and uh, we are ushering uh, the new generation internet in 3D. Well, that's oh. fantastic. Yeah, so. that is. So. Ushering the 3D revolution of the internet, what does that encapsulate? Well, it's really uh, migrating the web page to a web scene, technically. So, uh, for the last 30 years, the internet was uh, scroll-based, text-based, link-based, image, video, right? So, by the integration of 3D web technologies, we are now enabled to turn that into a scene. So it becomes a web scene, a world, as it were. And now we can bring in all that media, all that data into a spatially distributed virtual world. So, Wow. No, that's amazing. So you'll actually be able to go into the virtual world and experience the website 
That's right. All the imagery, all the branding, all the content, the text, the flyers, uh, the audio, the products, the shopping, all that into 3D. So how did you guys get into this? And how does the application change the dynamics of your interface? That's right. So we start, this started out really kind of um, just as a question back in 2015 when I used to live in the Silicon Valley. And just want ask myself a dumb question really is why aren't we browsing the web like a video game? You know? So I was really annoyed by all the... Um, you know, advertisement and the push advertisement and all the clicking and you have to close the windows and all that. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, how it changes, uh, how the future will change for the user, from the user experience is, um, so we think it will be much better from a cognitive standpoint. You know, the world we live in as humans is 3D. So like one of my mentors, Tony Paris, he said, the world we live in is 3D. So we are looking, the internet as it's been, is looking at the entire ocean, but like through a small, tiny window. It's like you going at the ocean and putting, looking through a straw in the ocean, right? So by making it spatial and being all around you, uh, the data rate of consumption is gonna go thousands of folds up, right? And there were some stats done about that, like uh, the megabits per second that you absorb as a human being in 3D is a thousand times what it is in 2D. So in the long term, this is all of course very early stages and um, uh, kind of deep tech in a way. It's deep yeah. technology, right? Yeah. But in the next decade, you can totally see humanity being much more efficient with our digital data. Yeah. Um, I was explaining to the lady earlier, instead of having 20 tabs open, during your day, you just go to your metaverse office or 3D office, right? And all the data is there on the walls and it really come to you when you need it. You don't need to go look for it. It's there all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I know that there is this difference between VR and AR, That's right. virtual reality and augmented reality. Are you talking about more in a virtual world or in an augmented world? where we can actually see it in physical space? Great question. So far, what we've been describing is virtual world, virtual reality, right? But with the same technology, with our cloud, it's also wired for augmented reality. Uh, there is a use case for both, right? Yeah. Um, because uh, ultimately, AR is going to be uh, anchored to the real world, in a way, um, where the virtual data living in the augmented world will be attached to that place. So just think about this. We're here in Miami. We go to the uh, uh, city hall okay, building. So now the city hall building has enabled a whole set of augmented data around their city hall. Right? So this is a new way of, augmented, of augmenting my physical visit. As a Miami citizen, when I go to the city hall, through my glasses, now they use tablets, but glasses will usher the adoption. And I can see stuff around the city hall, right. even in the hallways of the city hall, as I'm going in, okay? 
So we say like Minority Report. We, right. we mentioned we said that, that earlier. Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly what Big our brother. interface enables. <laughs> so, so the key though, what people need to understand is there is also a use case for the virtual and the augmented together. It's not going to be one or the other. Right. It's going right. to be both, both. right? Yeah. Both, right. Because now the City Hall of Miami can also have its virtual twin, you know? So instead of actually being in the physical space yeah, you don't need to. of City Hall. Yeah, exactly. And this makes sense for, you know, we just went through and, and are still going through the pandemic and the COVID where everybody was locked down. So we were living in a world where maybe we weren't necessarily going out as much physically, right. but if we could go out virtually, we would still be able to have that interaction and that connection. 100%. Uh, in the industry, there's a lot of people who say virtual reality is better, augmented reality is better, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what's better. It matters what's useful. You know, if you can have both, right. Yeah, what's useful. And uh, there is an argument to be made that you know, in, let's talk about the city hall example, right? So, and we are collaborating with XR Miami, that IO, to, to assure the metaverse of Miami, right? So that's what we've, they've secured a deal with us where they're bringing the XR cloud, our metaverse cloud, to Miami as an exclusive to activate this whole launch out of here in the next 60 days. And so we're exploring doing digital twin for the city of Miami. So how many people want to learn about the city of Miami? A lot. Probably a lot more people than the ones that go to the administrative office every day. Because mm -hmm. only the citizens of Miami need to go to the city hall. But the whole citizens of the world need to learn about Miami. Right. So now the virtual twin of that city hall could be visited a million times more than the physical. So my point is, just based on this analysis, there seems to be a much bigger potential for virtual, for virtual visitors big, right. in VR than people who will actually use it in AR. So yeah. is that going to be the next industry, virtual tourism? I, already, I know a company, well, I, I don't know the company, but I did hear of a company that is doing that. Right. Yeah, That's a more, more sci-fi movie. Virtual travel agent. Wow, a virtual travel agent. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That, so, that was Total Recall, wasn't it? Total Recall did have that, but you could actually feel what was going on. So I yeah. think that that was a little bit of a difference there. But uh, but maybe you all will evolve into that where you can actually feel what's going on. But this is amazing because, you know, you'll be able to visit a place without having to actually go and, you know, have that experience visually. Right. So it's tactile in a way, you know, so. So in five years, you're going to have Bitcoin Miami and virtual Bitcoin Miami, where folks will be seeing us virtually here having this podcast in the real and virtual space. Could something like that happen? Well, the hybrid model is really right. where it's going. So the digital twinning of the universe is happening, where, for example, last year, we did a virtual Burning Man called the MetaBurn, which is the fourth largest event in the world. And we got like 12,000 visitors in the virtual Burning Man yeah. over six days. So right. indeed, what you have here is really the opportunity to extend your reach. So uh, there's many use cases. Conferences are an obvious one. This is one of our core offering. Right. The conferences, expositions, events. But also think celebrities, right? Think uh, influencers, think uh, um, uh, sales, right? Uh, products. Um, having a virtual showroom 
to showcase your product. Right. Like a virtual Tesla yeah. showroom. You can go and visit the car virtually. Right. You know, even if you are in Congo, where there is no Tesla cars, but you can get that branding experience. You can actually see it and interface with that product. You know, in a new way. Huh. Interesting way to test drive. It is. Wow. Absolutely. So this has been great. And now you just you got us pondering now that we we may have to be in the matrix pretty soon. <laughs> I think that's where we're all Neo, yeah. waiting to happen. Well, absolutely, <laughs> and actually, uh, some of us have already happened, I guess. Yeah. So we're inviting just everybody to join us in the um, metaverse, you know, journey. Yeah. Uh, where can uh, folks find you, like on social media, the the web? Yeah. So our platform is Ozone Universe. Um, and we are here working with XR Miami, so you can go to ozoneuniverse.com.info, uh, xrmiami.io, and everybody is invited tomorrow to our, uh, uh, for those who are in town, to our brunch. So we are sponsoring a Metaverse NFT brunch tomorrow wow. at 10 a.m. This is happening in, um, in um, I think it's in the area here called uh, Winwood. So in Wynwood, uh, we have this art gallery that's basically at called Hippie Royale Gallery. Okay. And that's in 900 South Miami Avenue. Okay. That's Brickell, no? Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, Sunday, 1 p.m. Nice. I'll send you guys the flyer, too, so you guys come out. But we're going to do a little bit of a, a teaser yeah. on what's to come. Right. And uh, Miami is getting its own section of the metaverse. Wow. As an exclusive, thanks to this partnership. So in the next 60 days, you guys will be hearing a lot of information uh, about the sale of the metaverse happening as an NFT. And uh, you guys will all get like premiere and uh, exclusive first access, really. So we hope a lot of the folks will join us and uh, we look forward to build a really good experience for everybody. Wow, another Screen Heat exclusive. There you go. Done. Love it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and thanks, guys. enjoy the rest of the conference. Joshua Frank, the tie. All right. So, so what, uh, Joshua, is the tie? Yeah, so the tie is the uh, leading provider of uh, data to institutional investors in crypto. Okay. Wow. Uh, so, so you provide the data that backs up everything that is the cryptocurrency world, essentially. Yeah, so basically the background on the company is, you know, I was working in uh, a really boring day job back in 2017, and so I was day trading, uh, day trading crypto and using sentiment data to build quantitative models to predict movement of equities and kind of put two and two together and was like, hey, if I can use investor emotion, right, to predict the movement of a stock that has earnings and revenue and dividends in the crypto space where there's nothing, quote unquote, fundamentally driving the value of these assets, the largest thing is inevitably sentiment. And so I had a relationship with a company which is the leading provider of sentiment data in traditional financial markets. And so we decided basically, let's take all this technology that was developed over the last eight years for traditional capital markets, and let's bring it into crypto. And so that's how we got started uh, a few years ago, uh, brought over the only partnership that exists with Twitter to this day. So we've accessed the full Twitter API, which is the, the firehose of a billion tweets a day. And that's kind of how we got started. So we came to market in early 2018, really trying to sell to the largest institutional investors. and realized very quickly that they didn't exist. Uh, and so over time, you know, tried a bunch of different things. 
but realized that no one in the crypto space had any idea what was going on. Like I would talk to a hedge fund and I'd say, hey, you guys are trading 30 or 40 assets. How are you staying on top of news and information around these assets? What I'd hear is we're in 8 billion Telegram channels. We're in 400,000 Discord channels. We have two analysts that spend 40 hours a week on Twitter each. You know, we're subscribed to a million newsletters and that just didn't make any sense to me, right? I, I was used to using, you know, FactSet and Bloomberg and all these, you know, products in traditional capital markets, but also you can go on Yahoo Finance and see news on, on stocks. And so realize that needed to exist for crypto. And so we basically, you know, built technology which goes out to about 7,000 sources in real time. So we parsed through every SEC filing, every court case, uh, every regulatory ruling in 2,000 different jurisdictions in 100 different languages, uh, every update from issuers. So like a tokens blog, their medium, their forum, their governance forum, their Twitter, every piece of news from China, every update from mining companies, every update from publicly traded companies, every update from central banks, anything to do with crypto. And what our technology is able to do is able to bring all that information in real time and tag and categorize it. So for example, you may see a press release mentioning ETH and you may say to yourself, oh, that's about Ethereum, but ETH is also Ethan Allen, the American Home Furniture Company, and it's right. also Ether Glycol, the gas. And so we're able to you know, accurately tag that, but we're able to go a step further, which is to tell you how significant that information is. So we can tell you, is this a listing, a partnership, a mainnet launch, a staking announcement, et cetera. And so you know, built this technology originally for asset managers, uh, but it found a lot of applications outside of it. So we power all the breaking news at both of the two biggest crypto publications in the space. All the reporters sit on our platform to identify breaking news. We work with OTC desks, market makers, quant funds. You know, we have large traditional clients that are 40, 50 billion AUM. And so that all kind of comes together in the most comprehensive institutional data platform in crypto. Really, you know, focused on news and sentiment, but we're now doing on-chain data as well, market data, really building, you know, the most robust, you know, fact set level platform for digital assets. Wow, that's that's quite the explanation. I don't think I even ask anything anymore about that. <laughs> Um, that's fascinating. And uh, just to kind of bring it home now to the conference, is sure. this your first time at the Bitcoin conference? or This is my first Bitcoin conference, yeah. Right on. Well, welcome to Miami. Thank you. Thank you. That's the first year. Is this your first time in town? No, not my first time in town. Not my first time in town. I've, I've, I've spent a, a lot of time in Florida, but it, it's my first, the Bitcoin, I've been to plenty of crypto conferences, you know, Consensus and all the others, but it's my first Bitcoin conference. It's awesome. It's a that's, great time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, just talk a little bit now, just kind of like trends, like, you know, and I, it's so important like you said, the data and the analytics, because it feels so much, for, especially for the novice, that cryptocurrency is like this wild west, right? Yep. Where there's really, like I said, not too much regulation. Like, it's very volatile. You know, we talk about, like, Elon Musk tweets moving the markets up and down. Like, you know, how, how do you see the future then of, of this crypto market? I mean, it's certainly becoming extremely institutional. We're seeing it, and not just in Bitcoin, we're seeing it in alts as well. Uh, you know, we're talking to some of the largest asset managers in the world, you know, you know, 50 billion, 500 billion AU um, and, you know, they may not be publicly trading crypto, but they're getting set up with custodians, with prime brokerages. I mean, they're putting the infrastructure in place. And it, I, it, I think it's way bigger than anybody realizes right. in, in terms of the, the scope. So you see the sort of the institutionalization of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and look, I don't think it's going to be a complete institutionalization, but I think it brings a lot of maturation to the market, reduces volatility, and I think it's exciting. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. And, you know, there's great energy here. I think this is one of the biggest ones they've ever had yep. in terms of this conference. So, you know, what, what are you looking sort of 
to get out of this, and what are your the next steps for your company in particular? Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're looking to speak with you know new new prospective clients, right? We're going out there, we're sponsors, right? We have a booth, uh, you know, we have a lot of existing clients, so saying hi, you know, we're here to see friends. I mean, we haven't seen people in two years, right? And so I'm here to have fun, hang out, see my friends, you know, bring a new business. But yeah, I mean, look, our future is, you know. We're growing really fast. You know, we're we're hiring a, a tremendous you know number of people, uh, and really trying to, you know, be the bridge between you know we're crypto native, but be the bridge between you know crypto native and, and institutional investors. Absolutely. Well, yeah, this is definitely a, a moment to start to re-socialize our society, right? Absolutely. Maybe get out of our, our screens for a little while and just say hi to someone in person. Absolutely. Well, it was, it was great saying hi to you in person and seeing you here, Joshua. So, congrats on all the great work with the tie, and we wish you a lot of luck in the future. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. see if we're actually rolling. We're hot. We're hot. The mic right. is hot. All right. All right. So now we're really digging in. Yes. Oh, you're the going pun. deep. You're going deep. We're digging deep with, a, with an actual miner. That's what's up. Oh, <laughs> not a miner. You know, those, you're you're over 18, right? I mean, I got three kids. You look like it. I got three oh. kids. Wow. Like, dude. Hey, I'll be, I'll be 30. I'll be 30 in uh, five days. Wow. Man. Yeah. We have to show it's our crazy. viewers, our listeners, what... 30 looks like hey, yeah. if you're in the Bitcoin industry. I mean, I mean that's is what's that up, though. Is keeping you like, young? That, dude, hey, if there's one thing I've noticed about this whole conference is that the majority of the people here are as young as I am. These entrepreneurs, yeah. they notice something beautiful. They notice something great, and they jumped on it. Well, that's that, what's amazing. Right. Yeah, that, there is. I mean, this, this conference is incredible. There are so many people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I, I think the, the numbers were like, initially, they capped it at 10, 15,000. Yeah. Ended up with 50,000. Yeah. The oh ticket price God. just kept going up and wow. up and up and up. Supply I'm sure they were, they were scalping them. You know it. You like, know they like were. It, like it was ultra. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> uh, you got to make money. You got to you gotta fill the seats. Yeah. That's right. Well, well, speaking of which, I want to know a little bit. So give us your full name, and then just tell us a little bit about what you do in the industry. Absolutely. So my name is Blake Griner, with a G is in George. We run Musk Mining. That's our name. I mean, our internet website is Musk Miners. We sell ASIC miners, but we also mine in the state of North Dakota. North Dakota is a little bit overlooked or has been for the last decade. We have a low population density, which leads to a very large excess sum of energy. We can get you hydro, we can get you wind, we can get you oil, we can get you lignite. We get that all at very cheap costs. That's allowed our business to thrive. Wow. That's what's amazing about our state is that five, uh, maybe five, ten years ago, we had a big oil boom. And we had cities that were basically thriving based on that oil. The oil prices dropped. Those cities, now we're looking for the next avenue. Wow. That's cryptocurrency for them. For example, Williston, North Dakota. They are the first city in the state to give their citizens the ability to buy or pay for their utilities using crypto. Wow. Yes. Oh, that's yes. something. Yes. That's badass. So the, the, I, can I swear on here? I, yes. All right. That's badass, right? Like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's that's what's up. We They're literally it buying into keep it. Keep it real. No kidding, dude. That's what's up. That's, yeah. I mean, awesome. I've, I've been talking about yesterday, you know, we were doing takeout, and my wife was doing the takeout. Yeah. And she noticed that all of a sudden, a place that we have been doing takeout with for many, many years accepts Bitcoin. So... 
Yeah, the revolution is real. Dude, it's crazy. I was at the lake. So a big thing in Minnesota, 10,000 lakes in Minnesota, right? A big thing is to, when it gets hot, go to the lake, right? So you go to these small towns that are by the lake, you know, population 100 people. Dude, I was in one of those cities, and I walk into a liquor store. There's an ATM that sells Bitcoin. And I'm like, oh, damn. Like, wow. where did this come from? Who supplied it? I want to talk to him right now. Let me into the market. Like, this is real. Like, when you see stuff like that, that's what makes this legitimate. It gives it validity, right? right? That's what's up. So, well, yeah, an ATM at a liquor store, That's that, there's no that, more legitimacy than that. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not a good match. That's a good match for the liquor store for the owner. Liquor store, right. No, you're absolutely right. You're what absolutely do you right. even call it? Like not a bid what, what, what exactly happens? Dude, it's crazy. Hey, <laughs> and do you actually get cash out of that or they just give you more bit? Like, I, I, I think you take the funds that you have that are fiat and you're able to just convert them with that ATM. That was my understanding. Wow. Doesn't mean it's true, right? But like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. So, yeah. So, there's a lot of terms that have been going around and you know, we like to make sure that our listeners understand. So fiat is a term that's been, well, can you just tell our listeners fiat? Yeah, absolutely. So fiat currency, fiat currency is something that is very comparable or is the United States dollar. Uh, for example, outside we have a very large, uh, I don't want to call it a tub because it, it's actually a container of Venezuelan dollars that are useless because the country has managed it in such a poorly way, poor way, right? So that dollar in Venezuela is no longer worth anything. And well, it's worth enough that you can put it in that tub outside and people can throw it around, right? right. So that's, that's crazy, right? So fiat in general is anything from euro to yen to US dollar to Venezuelan dollar. It's probably a better term than I don't know about. Right. But you get what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. It's yeah. the currency, the real, the current yeah. currency. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So, so you're a miner, so can you tell us exactly what that encapsulates and how you got into mining? Yeah, absolutely. Digital so, mining. It's addictive. Bitcoin mining. It's addictive, man. It's crazy. Like, So you talk about building wealth as an individual, especially about a young individual. And in order to build wealth... My theory, and I know a lot of experts' theories, is that you have to make money while you sleep. These miners give you that ability. You wake up, all of a sudden you have more money in your bank account than when you went to bed. That's a nice feeling. That's what these miners do. Miners can entail a variety of different things, and what I mean by that is each miner is specific to one algorithm. Those one that one miner with that one algorithm then gives you the ability to mine certain coins. And that mining is metaphorical. And what I mean by that is it's solving math equations that then put more coins into circulation. And when you get more coins into circulation, you then either get part of those coins into your pocket, into your wallet, or they just go into circulation, period. Okay? So that's a beautiful thing. The other way is miners have the ability to validate a transaction. When I pay you in Bitcoin and you pay me in Bitcoin, there has to be somebody on the outside that says this transaction happened, it happened here at this time, and nobody can alter that, it's a ledger. Similar to what our centralized banking systems do. The beauty of it, it can't be altered, it can't be screwed with, it can't be manipulated, it can't be, you. It, there's no banking system that can say, oh no, oh this ledger actually happened at this time, 
and because of that, so-and-so gets X number more dollars, and it's corrupt. So there is no corruption. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's a beautiful thing, you know. So we've, we've done that, you know, we, we experienced that, and we just tasted the nectar, and we dove in. You know, we believe in this. Uh, we have more conviction than, than anybody that we, we, we feel uh, is fit, and so, yeah, I mean, really, you know, going back to it, this is going to be our career. I mean, this is my career. I went, like, just to give you an example of myself, I, I have a master's of science. I worked with potatoes before this. Wow, wow. I studied bacterial spread of potatoes, man. Like, I'm a <laughs> statistician. Stuff. I'm a statistician. And it, I, just because I have been educated does not mean that anybody cannot get into this. Right. I don't want to deter a single person from being a part of this because it's so important to understand, you know, I go back to Venezuela, this is going to be so progressive for countries of that nature. And that's amazing. That's going to give people the ability to flourish in a way that's never been possible before. So I have a question. You mentioned renewable energy and North Dakota has a lot of renewable energy. So are your Bitcoin mines connected to renewable energy? Because that, that's also been a little bit of a buzz, you know? You're absolutely right. And we have to really look uh, at the high, highest of the hierarchy for that. You know, the president, Joe Biden, is implementing different policies that really promote different green uh, avenues to roll down. Um, you know, for us, we've actually gotten into collaboration with the University of North Dakota Chemical Engineering Department to design a shipping container that can house a machine that can hook directly into an ethane line that would other not otherwise be flared off at an oil rig. And in, instead of being burned off, we use that ethane, excuse me, to generate electricity and then mine Bitcoin. So we're generating currency and we're also preventing the flaring from occurring and therefore preventing CO2 from being flared in the atmosphere. So that's one avenue that we're taking. Aside from that, wind, we have a plethora of wind in North Dakota. It's amazing. Wind, like, I, I grew up there, right? It's hard to find a day that isn't 20 mile per hour wind. Wow. And they know that. So they built wind farms. And we can tap into those, and it's amazing. That's incredible. So yeah, yeah, so that's incredible. a way to offset. And that's what a lot of people are talking about, you know, the offset of the mining process. Absolutely. Yeah, the carbon footprint that they talk oh, about. Enough, right? Absolutely. You know, that, and that brings me to the next point, right? There's carbon capture and there's incentives along carbon capture. You know, we have one facility in North Dakota that's primarily lignite based and that's coal. So coal is not green. But what we can do to mitigate the impact that it has is have carbon capture implemented into our facility so that we not only get the incentives with the government and get them on board and promote the green with the government, but also make sure that our partners and local industries are encouraged and promoted to be as green as possible. Wow. Yeah, so you are doing what we, we interviewed Kevin O'Leary earlier okay. today. Okay. And he, his talk, they, we, I, we didn't see his talk, but we interviewed him before his talk. And sure. he said that his talk, a lot of it was about these offsets yep. for the industry. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's, it's amazing because, you, first of all, you've probably done more than any tourism bureau to convince people why they should go to North Dakota. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. Congrats on that. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. 
yeah. we'll definitely share this with them and say, this is how you get people to come yes. to North Dakota. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, we're lacking in the tech side of things. You know, we met with the Grand Forks uh, City of Chamber of Commerce. That's in that's a city in North Dakota, and we are uh, trying to make North Dakota uh, what Vegas is to gambling. Uh, it's wow. North Dakota would be the cryptocurrency. Uh, they see oh. an exponential amount of potential. Uh, it's very lucrative. It's, uh, it's going to take... It's going to take everybody and everything to make it happen, but we're here. We got the drive and the conviction to do so, so we're going to make it happen. Well, you are making it happen. Which absolutely, is exciting. absolutely. What do you think of the conference so far? Oh, this conference, absolutely mind blowing and amazing. Absolutely. If I can mimic this in my state, that's all we need, right? Like, <laughs> wait, 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 let's wait, take wait. this and move it over. We there. just got this thing here. Today. <laughs> <laughs> he said mimic, so not yeah. the exact same yeah, thing. That's mimic right. it. That's right. Take what's been done and do it maybe a little bit better <laughs> oh, and put it somewhere. We keep we keep the original. No, yes. you're with yeah. You're you, what you guys are doing is it's it's novel. It's a vanguard in our industry. I mean, you guys are amazing. Like this, you two and doing your media presentations. It's, I I just can't thank you enough in promoting cryptocurrency in a positive light for everyone. Not not well, just Miami, but the whole globe. We're so. promoting the people. I yeah. think our focus is 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 the people and the journey that they've had to get to where they're at. Absolutely. And moving forward what they're doing thinking into the future so that's kind of where we always end up where do you see yourself and your company going moving into the future so like I said earlier I'm, I'm going to be 30 in 5 years or I'm Jesus in 5 days I'm going to be 30 time is relevant in the digital world it's <laughs> you know you know I plan on I plan on this decade being the best decade of my life um, you know as a company and as, as an industry we plan on uh, developing our own miners developing our own apps developing our relationships that will lead us down avenues that can progressively promote individuals to be more wealthy than they ever imagined. I mean, you're going to see the whole one percentage population or the population that's referred to as one percenters. It's going to change. And it's going to be beautiful when it happens because it's going to be completely flipped. It's going to be investors that invested in a small coin at the time and they put their life savings into it and all of a sudden they're one percenters and it's beautiful and they deserve to be there because Absolutely. why does the other people deserve to be there you know that's what's up so right yeah. right so idea of generational wealth absolutely is, that's right uh, flipping on its head but i like it yes and i'm sir. glad that you're one of the pioneers and and now i want to go to north dakota <laughs> come on up come on up we're here we're waiting i want to get some 20 mile an hour winds we're just chilling enjoy the, the mining hey we got some good uh we got some good butt out there so i'm just saying like yeah you guys will come up okay, yeah so there are more reasons not hey hey we got good butt we got good beer you know, we're just, where's the stuff there? So, yeah, absolutely. That's what's up. And cool, cool people, too. So I like oh, that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, absolutely. bro. Well, thanks for doing this and enjoy the rest of the conference. Of course. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. All right. And we are back. A great series of interviews from our Bitcoin conference experience, my friend. Money, money, money. Money talks. Everything <laughs> else walks. Making it rain virtually. Yes, digital rain. I'm still trying to get a little piece of that digital rain. Figure that out. <laughs> digital sure rain and the Emmys are full on. Off the top, off the jump, we got to mention the 305. Hells to the Yizza. And so those are, I'm just going to, we're going to start with two. One that we've interviewed, Carlos Rafael Rivera. And you can go back and listen to his interview. He was number 24. He's nominated again. This is Netflix. Baby. That's right. 305. We're going baby. for his third and then his fifth. 
And then his yes. 305th, this is his second nomination. He won the first time he was yes. nominated. Mm-hmm. This is his second nomination. The first one was for one of my favorite limited series, Godless. The second one is for one of my favorite limited series of last year, The Queen's Gambit. Yes, Queen. She is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, he's rocking it. And, and, you know, I I have to say, he's like the Indiana Jones of music composers because he teaches at the University of Miami and then he goes out and collects artifacts in the form of Golden Globes and Emmy Awards. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Brings them back. There you go. Hat in his theme song and he's good. I know. We had a chat about John Williams actually on our podcast, which which I liked. Yeah. So. So. You can go back and listen to that one. We have an interview coming with him. It's been a little bit more challenging. He's been super duper busy. Oof. Yeah. As you can, can. already see and hear. Oh, so yeah. we'll, we'll have an interview coming with him coming up in, in the following uh, episodes. But you can go back and listen to his episode and you can see some video with some tidbits with Carlos Rafael Rivera on the website. We have to give it up also. The Underground Railroad, Barry Jenkins nominated. This series is amazing. And in addition, we have Lucius Baston, the actor, who is in the series. So we interviewed him. This would have to be uh, 42. So we interviewed him for 42, episode 42. Yes. So you, you can go back and listen to that one. And we're going to have him back on again as well he's also uh he was also in loki but um with loki so he's it acts this point in so many things just as screen heat miami is but man i've watched so many of these shows that are nominated drama series the boys which is incredible that's on amazon prime bridgerton they're nominated for upwards of the teens um and that's the best drama series, Handmaid's Tale, which I love. I've watched every single series. Hulu, bringing it Hulu in get, strong. Getting a little bit of love on the Emmys. Yeah. Lovecraft Country, HBO. That's not going to a second season. How did that um, happen? How did they not renew Unbelievably. That? Well, you know, I'm not going to go political on it. It may have been, you know, very political. But it, that was one of their most applauded and watched series. Makes series. And guess what? The creator now has uh, a deal with Apple Plus. So, you know, she put Aha. out the Bible. She put out the Bible of that so series. They were was, good to go. Maybe it was a behind the scenes play. Yeah. That could... I, I, I have some behind the scenes info, but, you know, you right. all can call me. So listeners call me and I'll tell you all about it. Um, the Mandalorian. Showing big. Oh, we love many, Mando. many noms for the Mandalorian. Poe's, of course, coming back. You know, they're always being nominated. This Is Us, again. You know, best drama series, Sterling K. Brown, who's won twice for This Is Us, is nominated again. Let's see if he gets that back. Cobra Kai, comedy series. JL, for you, man. Dude, (laughs) I'm a Cobra Kai guy. That is the best, one of the best. It's just so goddamn. Damn good. I can't wait. When is that next season going to come out? There you go. Um, the flight attendant, which I love that's HBO max, the flight attendant. Amazing. Amazing. I'm not sure if it's a limited series, but it looks like it's going to go to a second season. The way that they set up the finale, 
Ted Lasso, Apple TV, funny, funny, funny. And that started from a skit during the Olympics, the last Olympics. Brilliant. Jason Sudeikis, just brilliant. I May Destroy You, which got snubbed at the Golden Globes. They're nominated for nine Emmys. Nine. There you go. Mayor of Easttown, huge, tremendous show. The Queen's Gambit, there you go, limited series. So let's see what it pulls. And I told you already about the Underground Railroad for limited series. Limited series, WandaVision. Loved it. Oh, good one. That was a good one. Intern Andre, did you watch WandaVision? Yeah, yeah. I watched WandaVision and uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm catching up on Loki tonight, actually. I haven't finished it yet. So Okay. We'll get back to Loki. What are your thoughts? Uh, WandaVision, Falcon li- Soldier, which one? I liked WandaVision because, like, 2020, there was the gap of just no Marvel, which someone who I grew up reading the comic book, so I am a big Marvel fan. I felt like uh, the movies were getting a little too much. It was a lot of the same stuff. Captain Marvel was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, Black Widow is going to be more of the same. And then there was a year with no Marvel and you come back with something just weird. And and they're setting up like the multiverse with WandaVision. And and it's, you know, all the different time periods. It's funny with the sitcom jokes. So I thought it was a really good, you know, punch in people's faces to come back and be like hey we're still marvel and we're still you know kicking ass yeah and divergent stories you know i really loved marvel continued along their same genre train a lot of people don't realize marvel movies are genre movies yeah really gardens of the galaxy being a comedy ant-man for kids the first iron man action and adventure you know Thor, the first one's fantasy. They changed kind of to comedy. So there's genre movies. So WandaVision, it touched on a lot of different genres. Well, it went through the decades of television genres, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. From, you know, the 50s style sitcoms to the 60s into the 70s, the 80s. And then, you know, even sort of the the show within the show or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. When we, we cut to the agents trying to get in, it felt like the X-Files. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's so much going on there that's just kind of an homage to television history. Falcon and the Winter Soldier going dramatic, but also touching on what's relevant, what's going on now, you know, yeah. with the Black Absolutely. Lives and social movement. So Disney really is plugged in in a way that not a lot of other other streamers and content creators are plugged in they're really smart the way that uh disney has rolled these things out and you could see as a result of um you know them and the emmys matthew reese perry mason i loved perry mason i loved it gee what a great show yeah he just killed it yeah absolutely destroyed that role he was so good in it and it was something that it just it felt like we want to see a season two but that that series was just such great writing, such great drama, such a great character arcs for everyone involved that I just I'm I'm just oh, it just makes me yearn for more of that type of scripted series. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so for that one, you know, you see Robert Downey Jr. and his wife as executive producers. That was set yes. up actually for Robert Downey Jr., but he couldn't do it due to conflicting scheduling right good for matthew reese but I think, hey I think he actually yeah matthew reese killed it like he I'm defined glad. it i mean yeah. yeah yeah i think i think that role honestly for 
Robert Downey Jr., his charisma and obviously coming off the Iron Man and the Marvel franchise would have overpowered the performance. Could have, yeah. But Matthew Reese is such a powerful character actor that yeah. you really believed him as Perry Mason. Yeah. Uh, and such a great origin story, you know, uh, and it's just something that I want to see more of. Like, you know, it's a courtroom drama, but it's also a family drama, but it's also like murder mystery, murder mystery. It's period. It's period. LA, yep. It's gritty. It reminds me of L.A. Confidential fucking great show yeah love it so we have the crown which is again murdering the emmys olivia coleman and emma corinne are nominated for best lead actress for the crown elizabeth moss the handmaid's tale you know that she every time she comes with it um journey smollett lovecraft country which she deserves because she really was an anchor for that show you see her playing kind of both sides with the sister and as the love interest so and that I, I loved her as an actress since you know she was um early on in in movies she started when she was very young uh, yes. about uh, six, right. six six or seven years old um blackish is back with anthony anderson um ted lasso I, we mentioned jason sudeckis um which he brought it from something that was just a uh, Olympic Olympics little special three minute skit. So he created that. Kaylee Kaku from the uh, the flight attendant. She deserves it. Tracy Ross Ellis Blackish. Um, WandaVision again. Best leading actor. Paul Bettany. Uh, Hugh Grant for The Undoing. I loved that limited series, and he deserved it for sure. Playing that duality, we already kind of knew what the ending was going to be, but Hugh Grant kept us on our toes anyway. Ewan McGregor, Halston, I haven't seen it, but Ewan McGregor brings it every single time. We have two for Hamilton: Lin Manuel Miranda and Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, that's for that's for Hamilton. That's for Hamilton, and we oh, see yeah. them move on to to other things. Leslie Odom Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for his role in uh one night in miami so that's right <laughs> there you go Shout out to the 305 wow what an encapsulation it was just like an orgy of great content for <laughs> the small screen there's just too much stuff to watch and stream out there yeah uh, but it's amazing and i'm glad that the shows that have sort of bubbled to the top are getting their kudos and their recognition but there's so much more to come so on the great screen heat miami we will continue with the emmys um, on our next episode, because we still have a lot to touch on, including, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit, who's one of our favorites. That's another kind of Miami connection. So, um, Intern Andre, thanks for hanging in there with us no for this problem. one. Always. The man, Intern Andre, which I have to say, may soon be promoted to employee Andre. <laughs> well, we're bringing him on to Kajig Multimedia. Um, in a limited series first. <laughs> yes. And then we'll make him a full-time champ. But um, You're going to be a kajicker. Is that what you call yourselves over there? <laughs> He'll be a kajicker, an MMFer, a Cinevisioner. Absolutely. <laughs> a Kamikaller. Yes. The cold, we'll be back baby. in the podcast room. We're moving on up. In the heart of little Havana, baby. And, and We're I do moving have to on give a- up. Second we'll floor about it, but but absolutely, we got to give a shout out to the people in Cuba that are fighting so hard for the freedom right now. There's so much going on over there, absolutely. and we really hope the best for for them and for everything that's going on there. So absolutely, there's 
there's a lot going on in the content world right now and we're just excited to be a part a small part of covering what we feel is the best the brightest and the most interesting in in the world of content film tv digital media streaming everything all the above music bitcoin digital currency what the hell i want to mention something jl connect cuba so you my friend and connect cuba were kind of in the forefront of Mm. being there and helping to move the needle forward for for cuba Right. So, no. yeah, thank you. That I got to give you your props. I Yes, I, I don't need I mean, it's really all for them. And and seven years ago, we did launch that com- campaign to at least give them a chance to have a voice, to have access to the Internet, to be able to connect and share their stories, which they have. And now it's bubbled over uh, into just a cry for help. SOS Cuba. So I really hope that that is something that continues to be effective. I heard today that Cuba is, again, unfortunately, cracking down on Internet access, and that's becoming a problem again. So so we may have to send out the bat signal again for the Connect Cuba logo and make sure that the people in Cuba stay connected and can share their stories with the world because they desperately need help, they desperately need the attention, and they desperately goddamn need some freedom over there in Cuba. Yeah. I'll say that. And that's what this is all about, is that story part of it, you know? And let the real stories come out. We want to be over there. We want screen heat Miami on the ground yes, there in, in, in Cuba. So um, we are very happy that everyone has continued to join us on this journey. This is our 52nd episode of Screen Heat Miami. I'm Kevin Sharpley. Dale Martinez. And Intern Andre. Boom! Goes the dynamite. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dolly. Dolly.